Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And of course, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. James Johnson, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire via USA Today. And Jay, we uh, took a little bit of time off. Uh, Admittedly, the Jaguars get a little exhausting to talk about uh, because of just organizational frustration and just being worn out, honestly. But also, you know, last week was just really busy for us. And unfortunately, we didn't get to an episode last week. And for all of you listeners out there, we appreciate your patience. And we are sorry, again, that we we missed last week. But we are back better than ever. And we're ready to talk some Jaguars. So, Jay, first and foremost, hope you're doing well. And yeah, excited to get back into it with you. Yeah, my man. Hope you're doing good as well, which you seem to be. And yeah, man, you're right. Like, the break was much needed for how the season is going for crying out loud. The Jags are one and six and a few games have been blowout. So it's been kind of tough to say the least. Albeit the last game was very entertaining to say the least, which is a key takeaway from it, which we'll actually talk on today. Um, be, albeit, you know, that was last week and we are cruising towards the Houston Texans now. Uh, but yeah, man, I absolutely can't complain. And I am refreshed and ready to tackle on the second half of the Jaguar season uh, because it's going to be very important in terms of draft positioning and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, Jay, this second half of the season is just going to be so important. And we're heading into what is arguably the tougher part of their schedule. So if you look at the first half, which was the quote unquote easier side, and they're one in six. So, of course, we have a lot to talk about, and we'll get to that here in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to remind you guys to head on over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and rate the show five stars if you're enjoying it. Thank you so much to all of you who have gone out of your way to do that thus far. That's one of the best ways you can support the show. Along with Apple Podcasts, we're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. As always, you can tweet the show at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find me at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Dawn. Also want to take a moment to shout out our first sponsor here today. And that, of course, is BetOnline.ag. You know, Jay, the NFL season is in full swing. And while some of us may not be at the games this year, we can still be in on the action at BetOnline. One of my favorite things about Bet Online, Jay, is all of these prop bets, which are actually really fun to look at, even if you're not betting, even though, I, of course, we, we uh, encourage you guys to do so. But some of these are really fun. You know, like, you know, what's the first? Is the first touchdown going to be a defensive touchdown? Will any team score over 40 points? You know, of course, tonight we have the Buccaneers and the Giants. That might get ugly pretty quickly. So if you have some time, you know, you may want to look at some of those prop bets that they have out there. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's really great, you know, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, bet online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It literally never closes. So head to betonline.ag today 
and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Go Giants. I'm with you on that because uh, we need to drop them in the draft order for sure. Uh, but again, yeah, you, you're right. That probably will get ugly. I'm, I'm thinking Josh will probably turn that one off in the first quarter if I had to guess. Yeah, shout out to our buddy Josh, who is a uh, Giants fan. This one might be a little difficult to watch. Uh, I guess the only thing is you don't have to play Antonio Brown yet. I don't know if that helps or not, but it might be a little rough to watch. But uh, again, let's get into the game from uh, now a, a couple weeks ago, Jay, the Jags and the Chargers, which admittedly ended up being, as you mentioned, a lot more entertaining than we thought it would be. And uh, the final score, of course, 39 to 29 Chargers over the Jaguars. And, you know, we talked a lot with uh, with Izzy LaRue from Believe in the Chargers about Justin Herbert. I mean, he's really taking this league by storm, Jay, uh, you know, 27 to 43, 347 yards and three touchdowns. He also had a rushing touchdown as well. Nine carries, 66 yards. Keenan Allen really kind of ate up uh, C.J. Henderson all day. Uh, Guyton, who was a guy that Izzy pointed out. So again, shout out to him. Two catches for 84 yards. He, he straight up told us, Jay, you know, there wasn't going to be a lot of volume in terms of his catches, but he was going to be able to break one, and he certainly did that. So, you know, looking at, well, usually we start on the offensive side of things, but we'll switch it up to the defensive side because, you know, a rookie quarterback went out there and, again, just had a career day and, of course, got his first victory as a starting quarterback in the NFL as well. So, you know, Jay, looking back at it now a week and a half, if you've had, you know, any time to really break up the film or relook at how the defense struggled, you know, what what stood out to you in terms of the Jaguars defense, which continues to just honestly look pretty bad? Yeah, man. I mean, I guess you should probably look at it from um, and it's been a week since we've seen the game. So, you know, our uh, we're a little bit uh, blurred on what happened. But uh, if you look at it, one of the things that I do remember harping on in terms of the uh, post game post. Uh, was the Jaguars defense once again have allowed over 400 yards in a game. And, um, you know, this is at the hands of Todd Washington, his defense. Uh, this week around it was 484 that they allowed almost 500. Uh, so they continued that trend as well as continued the trend of allowing 30 points or more as well. And the common variable, if you look in all their losses and the only game they have one is against the uh, Colts, of course. They've given up 30 points or more in all of those games. So this fits the mold of what we've been seeing all year in terms of this defense. And uh, you have to think, and we'll look ahead to that later, but you have to think, like, if the Texans get over 30 points in this next upcoming game, granted the circumstances and who will be starting at quarterback, uh, that could be a loss for the Jacksonville Jaguars as well. So in terms of individuals, uh, Justin Herbert continues to impress, which uh, we aren't surprised now early in the game. And admittedly, uh, Anthony Lynn did speak on this because I watched his presser after the game. You know, um, Herbert had some, uh, you know, accuracy issues and um, anticipatory type of issues as well, which is something I've always kind of um, not the accuracy part, but the anticipation part is something that I've, I've kind of pointed out in his career. But, you know, time in time, he'll get better with that still nonetheless found himself in the second quarter and ended up throwing for 347 yards, which is just a ridiculous amount of yards. Uh, had a, what, 80.8 QBR. 
Um, and he, you know what I'm saying? This guy is a guy that uh, I'm going to definitely be watching out for in the future in terms of what he did against us. In terms of the Russian, they didn't really have that much Russian success against the Jaguars. That wasn't needed because their secondary, as you said, C.J. Henderson and the rest of the guys gave up a lot of yards. Keenan Allen, as I said, when we spoke with Izzy, one of the most underrated receivers in football, just went out and just torched his secondary in general. Guyton showed up. We kind of alluded to him being the Keelan Cole of that offense. And, uh, you know, he's a guy to watch going forward, of course. Uh, but, you know, aside from that, it was much more a lot of uh, success through the air more so than on the ground, uh, which is kind of surprising because the Jaguars aren't that good against uh, the run as well. But nonetheless, if it isn't broken, don't fix it. And that's exactly what Anthony Lynn and this offense did in terms of their approach. Yeah, they certainly adjusted to get Justin Herbert more comfortable as the game went on. As you mentioned, you know, he was struggling uh, in the beginning parts of the game and then just really got it going. Uh, you know, in terms of the defense, of course, there wasn't really a whole lot to point out. But, Jay, it was nice to finally see Devon Hamilton at least get into a little bit of a rhythm. This was a real bounce back game for him and kind of a little bit of a coming out party as well. He seemed like he was kind of all over the field. Do you think it was something with him just kind of getting more comfortable with the scheme or the speed of the game, or do you think they put him in better positions? Um, I just think it was simply, and you know, I said that to Izzy and you on the podcast, it was simply a, a matter of him having to get acclimated because nose tackling is something that you just walk into the league. Nine times out of 10, most times, you don't just walk to the league and have success as a nose tackle in your first couple games or whatever the case may be. So I think that was a matter of the case. And uh, yeah, he really ate. He led the team on uh, in terms of the PFF grades. Um, I think he had in uh, I think it was 84 or something along those lines. Uh, but he was a nuisance in the backfield. And he is beginning to come to become the guy that, you know, I kind of praised him to be. You remember in the podcast, I said he could be the the biggest surprise on the team, and now he's starting to show it. So uh, heading forward, you know, he'll be a guy to watch, um, an important factor for this defense because, again, as I said, they're not all that great against the run, so he could get some opportunities to stuff some very good running backs in the interior. And, um, you know, just another name that we could add into the mix for these last two draft classes that Dave Caldwell have, has put together, albeit it hasn't led to a lot of record-wise success. Uh, these last two draft classes, we keep finding guys in each of these classes that step up week after week. Again, it don't lead to wins, but week after week, you know, this team does in terms of individual draft class success or individuals from these draft classes, they're starting to find guys that can really help the team in the future. And, uh, you know, it's looking like they'll probably end up having to help the next GM. Uh, but, you know, I guess we can't forget, you know, that Dave Caldwell was the guy that brought these guys into the equation at the end of the day. Yeah, that is true. And I think that's kind of where you and I have fallen in terms of Dave Caldwell's tenure. Like when you look back at when during the offseason and we did some of his best draft selections, you know, we had a guy like Brandon Linder in there who was a who was taken, you know, outside of the first round. You have guys that have definitely produced over time. I mean, even though he's not with us anymore, look at Allen Robinson finding a guy like Alan Hearns, Keelan Cole. Um, and then of course, now a guy that we're going to talk about here in just a moment and James Robinson, who is just absolutely continuing to light the league on fire. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, yeah, Yannick Ngakwe, of course, uh, another guy, unfortunately not here, but he has had this affinity 
of finding guys that are, are able to produce in the later rounds. And you know what? You see another guy in Jake Luton who's going to get his opportunity here this weekend, and we'll get to that here in just a moment. But let's move over to the offensive side of things here, Jay. Now, you know, as we mentioned, this thing uh, got a little exciting for a little bit. And then, of course, the Chargers were eventually able to pull away. Uh, but Gardner Minshew goes 14 to 27, 173 yards and two touchdowns. And they finally did what we've been just yelling at them to do this whole season. They fed James Robinson. He had 22 carries, 119 yards, as well as a touchdown on the ground, and then tacked on four catches and 18 yards and another touchdown through the air. Uh, 5.4 yards per carry for the guy. I mean, he just continues to look great. Um, One thing that I think we actually touched on in our last episode, Jay, is the continued frustration of DJ Chark. And it was very evident and almost front and center at the end of this game. And you could tell that he's getting incredibly frustrated. And I I remember tweeting out, DJ Chark is just completely over Minshew mania. He wants a quarterback that's going to be able to get him the football. And that's really just kind of built into the DNA of these receivers, right? Everybody wants a guy that's going to be able to get the football to them accurately and give them an opportunity to make a play. And Gardner Minshew just wasn't doing that. Just to kind of give you an idea, guys, though, to go back to James Robinson of the kind of day that he had. You know, if you do follow me on Twitter, I always try to make it a point to tweet out these statistics as they come. And James Robinson was keeping me busy, man. Jay, you know this. I was I was sending you tweet after tweet to get back out there on, on Jaguars Wire and wherever we could. Uh, James Robinson, now the second undrafted player in NFL history to total at least 600 scrimmage yards through seven career games. He is the second player to do it in history, as I mentioned, the other one being Green Bay's Sam Ken Godot from 2005. Uh, James Robinson has also caught the most passes by an undrafted NFL running back through seven career games in NFL history, uh, posted the most scrimmage yards in NFL history by an undrafted player. Uh, he's the only undrafted player over the last 20 seasons to post at least 50 scrimmage yards in each of his last seven games. I mean, Jay, James Robinson is just, he's again, I, I feel, I feel like we're kind of responsible for this because we we're so excited about James Robinson. I got to hit this guy up and find out how I can get some of that merch because, you know, you see his family wearing that logo in the, in the, uh, you know, in the crowd and stuff like that. But, you know, even though the Jags, of course, the, the record, the season's not going the way, that we wanted it to James Robinson honestly has really been made it worthwhile to watch these games. Yeah, man, he was amazing, man. It was like, he took over the game at one point in time. If you were watching it, like in that second quarter, especially uh, he, he, it was like, he just literally threw the Jaguars on his shoulder in a sack and was like, look, man, just, just, I'm, I'm going to put the team on my whole back and just win this thing for you guys. I mean, like he ran over Nasir Adderley one play, um, and that was one of the guys we spoke on with Izzy. You know, Izzy was saying Adderley was one of the guys who uh, was kind of one of the underrated defense backs of that team. Uh, he stiffed armed the hell out of somebody. I forgot who that was specifically. But, uh, you know, that made Coach Anthony Lynn not necessarily say he was Earl Campbell, but compare James Robinson to Earl Campbell in a way in the press conference that followed the next day. That's just I mean, just to be mentioned in the same sentence as Earl Campbell is just crazy in itself. And um, if I'm not mistaken, Earl Campbell's a Texas guy, too. So that's that might be one of your guys over there, uh, Phil. I have to look that up. If I can um, if I can recall correctly, he is. Uh, but that being said, yeah, man, like I feel like you we feel responsible for, you know, putting everybody on this guy dating back to May the 1st 
when I did that uh, article on Jaguars Wire of, uh, you know, just projecting who would make the 53-man roster. I mean, at the time, yeah, sure, we didn't know Leonard Fournette was going to get waived and all of that craziness. But uh, nonetheless, you know, we still hyped up James Robinson, and uh, he's here to stay. Now, in terms of um, one thing I also wanted to touch on that you touched on in terms of the offense is uh, the frustration with Chart as well. Yeah, I'm with you. It was visible. But at the time, the issue was we did not know that this news was going to break uh, that we saw earlier in the week with Gardner Minshew and the thumb. Now, where I stand with the Gardner Minshew situation is, yeah, that definitely affects your accuracy. I mean, it's, your, it's pretty much in football, that's your dominant finger. You know, imagine playing with four fingers and not having the most important finger like that's That's kind of difficult to do. Um, you know, it speaks volumes about his his toughness. And I'm not again, I'm not even a Minshew guy, uh, but it explains that duck throw that we saw to Chark, the one that me and you spoke on. It explains the one that Chris Conley against the Texas that probably should have been intercepted uh, at the same time. You know, one thing it does not explain is the skittishness in the pocket and missing reads because you, you know, you're not staying in the pocket and and making the throws from the pocket that you should be. But again, man, like. You got to commend the dude, even though it probably wasn't wise to hide it, you know, from the team, because essentially, you know, the, here you have Doug Marone fighting for his job and you're going out there essentially with four fingers. You're more of a detriment to the team out there playing um, handicapped, if you will. And you probably need to reveal that to somebody because your hand is such an important part of playing the quarterback position. Um, but here we are. You know, he tried to gut it out, you know, and, you know, we all heard the story. Six round guy, don't want to re uh, relinquish the opportunity, knows what he's dealing with. You know, like this is the opportunity of a lifetime for Gardner Minshew. And he probably didn't want to let that go, uh, but he probably did the team more damage playing that way uh, as opposed to helping them where they could have got somebody with a healthy, you know, at least a healthy five fingers um, in Jake Luton or even Mike Glendon, who we've kind of talked on in the past. Yeah, that's what really came to mind as well, Jay. You know, it, it's it would be naive of us to say uh, to think that Gardner Minshew doesn't know that a majority of this fan base is looking on to its next franchise quarterback, whether that be a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields or whoever. He's obviously a very aware of that. He's a smart guy. He hasn't gotten to where he is on necessarily by accident. He's worked very hard and, you know, he's got this opportunity. And I, I think probably in that situation, you get worried that the opportunity might be slipping through your fingers because of an injury, because obviously this is a league that even if you are, uh, you know, even if look at Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning was one of the top five quarterbacks of all time, but the Colts assumed he was still hurt and they moved on from him. So if that happened to Peyton Manning, it's certainly going to happen to Gardner Minshew. So I, I, I understand it to, um, to a certain extent. However, like you said, he definitely should have mentioned something and, you know, I don't know if the receivers feel any differently now, specifically DJ Chark. He's the guy that, of course, we want to make sure to keep happy. Um, you know, we don't want to see another Allen Robinson situation go down. But, um, you know, we'll see what Jake Luton can do. And we'll talk about him here momentarily. The other thing I want to talk about here really quick, Jay, is D.D. Westbrook, um, who most likely has played his final game as a Jacksonville Jaguar. A lot of people were actually um, pleasantly surprised to see him out there on special teams. And before that injury, Jay, I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but I was very clear that he still had that burst. And I, I even tweeted out something to the uh, to the effect of, you know, he's definitely going to be 
on a roster next year playing the slot somewhere. You know, it's not going to be here. Um, however, you know, of course, he goes down with that that bad injury, and you hate to see it. But of course, we we send out our best to Didi. Um, you know, wherever his next stop is going to be, and then of course, hope that he gets well soon. But you know, you just you just hate to see that for sure. Yeah, it was it was very sad to say at least to see it go out like that, especially when considering, you know, how inactive he had been previously. It just seemed like the guy couldn't catch a break basically this year in terms of getting on the field or, you know, in this case, you know, remaining healthy uh, when he did see his opportunity. Because as we all saw, Chris Claybrooks is uh, been struggling with kick return duties and, you know, having DD a veteran there did give me more confidence. I know he had the fumble as well before he got his injury, but I still felt more confident in him than Chris Claybrooks. And um, again, yeah, man, you got to send the prayers up for DD Westbrook, who is a guy who has been a huge contributor for the jazz. If you look at it overall was a big time threat for regarding the Minshew last year. He was a part of that Minshew mania success that Minshew had last year. And, of course, you know, uh, they kind of, I guess you could say, they kind of bulked up on the receiving core. And, uh, you know, they kind of pushed him down the depth chart. So, um, yeah, definitely I'm with you. I think he'll find a job next year somewhere with some team. Wouldn't be surprised if it's like a team like the Patriots or somebody like that. But he has, like, the the capability or even the Packers kind of come to mind with that. But he does have the capability uh, to be a very good slot receiver with somebody or, you know, Maybe, you know, he can find somewhere to catch on on the outside as well with the, you know, the right coaching and the time and dedication. Yeah, the Packers are the team that I pointed out on Twitter. Um, again, we we definitely think he'll be able to find uh, um, work next season for sure. You know, you see guys come back from injuries like this and they look just as good or even better than before. So uh, best of luck, of course, to D.D. Westbrook. You know, he's been part of this organization for a while. Of course, he was a big part of that 2017 team. And, you know, you hate to see a guy go out with uh, any kind of injury like that. And I, I think really the heartbreaking thing with Jay was just, you could see how defeated he was being carted off with the towel over his head. And, you know, you just don't like seeing that. But uh, of course, again, best, sending out our best to, to D.D. Westbrook for sure. Yeah, not only that, but the fact that, you know, the announcers, I, forget, I think it was Andrew Catalan that was the announcer this week and James Lofton. Or that week, should I say? But you know, when they said that it was too gruesome to go back and watch, and they had to go to commercial break as a result, I really felt bad for him at that point because you know, typically, you know, when you think too gruesome to show on TV, you're thinking like the Dak Prescott incident, where you know they actually did show that, and maybe maybe even CBS like learned from that situation and was like, yeah, some stuff just don't need to be shown again over whatever the case may be. Um, I mean, I, I personally tried to go back and look at it, not for the sake of seeing the gruesome part, but I was doing it to see, like, kind of gauge what happened exactly and where he might have slipped or whatever the case may be. And it looks like he tried to make a juke move before uh, the linebacker hit him. I forgot the linebacker's name, but he tried to make a juke move. Uh, the knee kind of went awkwardly as a result. And, um, you know, it happens so fast. Like, I guess if you don't slow it down for replay, you don't you can't really gauge how bad or how gruesome it was. Uh, but, yeah, that that part of it really made me feel bad when, you know, the announcers basically say, hey, we can't revisit what happened. And um, again, you know, we'll send prayers up for Didi and uh, wish him the best of luck. Absolutely. So, uh, again, just to reiterate, the Jaguars fell to the Chargers 39 to 29 heading into their bye 
they did, at least at the time, they were in a position to draft third. For those of you who are keeping track, uh, it will be interesting to see how that pans out, of course, after tonight's Giants game. Uh, by the time this episode is out, we will probably know and, uh, of course, comment on that going forward. Um, but, you know, we're not going to give out a game ball since we did the uh, did, did this episode a little bit later than we normally would have liked to. Um, suffice to say, it probably would have gone to James Robinson as well as uh, Devon Hamilton, most likely. So a couple rookies showing out. LaVisca Chenault looked good whenever he was able to get the ball as well. So, you know, even though, of course, the team's not necessarily where you want it to be, there is a lot of reason for optimism in the future. And just like we talked about recently, Jay, it really makes this destination, I think, all that more attractive for future suitors. Uh, but we're going to move into looking forward to the second matchup uh, between the Jaguars and the Texans. Before we do that, though, Jay, I want to give a special shout out to our second and final sponsor of the day, a Seattle shirt company. You know, with shoppers buying everything online these days, getting those holiday gifts for family and friends is going to be more difficult than ever. But there's no need to worry because our friends over at Seattle Shirt Company have got us covered. Jay and the team have an unbelievable selection of NFL and NBA jerseys for everyone on your list. These jerseys are 100% authentic from current superstars like LeBron James to all-time legends like Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Walter Payton. Seattle Shirt Company has it all. And right now for our listeners, we have a special one-time only pre-Black Friday Cyber Monday deal. Everything you buy at seattleshirt.com is 30% off. So head to seattleshirt.com and enter the code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, at checkout for 30% off your entire order. Shipping is always free. Seattle Shirt Company, helping you get ready for the holidays a little bit early. So Jay, let's look into Jags Texans. And earlier in the day, it seemed like we got in confirmation that Jake Luton was going to be the starter. However, it that hasn't been totally confirmed. Uh, he is going to be getting most of the first team reps in preparation for the Houston Texans this weekend. It does not mean that potentially we might get Mike Lennon uh, in the game to start, or maybe eventually, you know, if, if things aren't going very well, we'll see what happens. But I mean, at this point, you know, you're one in six. Realistically, you probably know you're not going to make a run at that wild card position. So I, I feel like this kind of makes sense to just throw the rookie out there, you know, another six round pick and see if you can strike gold, I guess for the second year in a row. Right. Yeah. If I was in line with what Doug Marone was saying in that presser last week about wanting to do some quote unquote crazy S H I T, you know, um, and, and going off the wall or out of the box as he put it. And, um, you know, this somewhat does fall in line with that at the same time. I don't think anybody's surprised that they're going to give Luton the snaps and they want him to be the starter because of what you said with Gardner Minshew. And, um, you know, years prior, they probably would have been skeptical on putting a six-round guy out there. But after seeing Gardner Minshew, uh, yeah, they probably have a little bit more confidence in them, uh, in uh, Jake Luton, should I say, to, to do that. Uh, Jake Luton's a guy that, you know, you look at, you go back and look at the scouting reports, it's easy to see why the Jacksonville Jaguars would like to see what he has over Mike Glennon. Well, first of all, first and foremost, Mike Glennon has shown us all we need to know, basically, in the past. Albeit he's never suited up for the Jaguars and taken the field, we've seen the best of Mike Glennon and other with other teams, should I say. Luton, you know, he's a little bit more of an unknown. And he has all of these traits that you could see coaches liking. I think he's, what, 6'4" over 220 pounds, got the prototypical size, has the arm strength. Um, You know, was it super productive at Oregon? Um, But 
again, when you put in the prototypical size, and maybe I even read by Lance Zerline of NFL.com, uh, when you factor in the scheme that he came from and how transferable scouts feel that is to the NFL, that probably played into it. And we've even, you know, even heard it ourselves from the staff. Uh, Jay Gruden actually praised him in training camp, calling Jake Luton the biggest surprise of camp for him, quote unquote. So, I mean, you go back and look at comments like that. You know, when when Jay Gruden said that, I I told myself I wouldn't be shocked to see Jake Luton maybe get out there one or two games if something happened to Gardner Minshew, or even if Gardner Minshew just plummeted off a hill and just didn't perform to his best and just wasn't looking good. I could see Jake Luton getting the opportunity, of, especially when looking at how similar he is to Minshew in terms of the background of being a six-round pick. So, you know, I'm kind of excited. Um, Of course, I don't think the Jaguars need to win this game. But, you know, with the element of surprise, they could give the Texas fits, and uh, that's a little bit concerning because this is the guy that really you got to go back to Oregon State and see the tape on. Um, but then again, on the flip side, we got a defense that allows 30 points a game. The kid will be fighting an uphill battle, uh, but still, nonetheless, it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, again, as I mentioned, it doesn't really hurt to just kind of throw the guy out there and see what he can do. Uh, of course, I, I really feel like a lot of the fan base is pretty much to the point where, you know, we're looking ahead. I, I know uh, Minshew Mania was a hell of a ride, guys. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Who knows how it would have gone last year if they just went with him the whole season, you know, what, rolled with the hot arm, similar to what the Philadelphia Eagles did, even though, of course, they were forced into it because of injury to Carson Wentz. But, you know, and I'm not saying that the Jaguars could have won a Super Bowl last year. That's not what I'm saying. But who knows what would have happened if they rolled with, the you know, the hot arm at the time instead of putting their multi-million dollar investment in Nick Foles back in. And um, but, you know, that's that's all history. And, you know, it is what it is in terms of being a Jaguar fan. That's just kind of part of it here, Jay. I mean, just looking, you know, at Texans Jaguars, of course, we had our buddy James on from Texans Unfiltered earlier in the season. Not really too much has changed i mean when you look at the standings here as far as the uh we look at the the two teams you know houston things just not going very well for them at all either and i think really what makes it worse for houston of course their one win coming against us is they don't even own their first round pick so i that that's a much worse situation uh, you know all of a sudden and jay i don't know if you heard about this but there was a report on espn i think it came from adam schefter that stated uh, the reason the Dolphins have put Tua out here uh, is to see, uh, evaluate what they have in in this quarterback and Tua Tagovailoa, so they can make a decision on whether or not he is in fact their franchise quarterback. Because they may decide they want to go get one of those guys, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and that absolutely blew my mind. So I mean, the fact that at least the Jaguars are in contention to get one of those guys, and Houston, you know, won't even be and won't even have an opportunity to draft, you know, of course not a quarterback, but one of the top guys in the draft, I'm sure has to be frustrating for that fan base. So, you know, just looking ahead to that matchup, you know, even though, again, both teams, one and six, I, I don't really see any reason because of Deshaun Watson to think that the Jaguars can really pull off an upset, do you? Yeah, I mean, you look at the, the Texans, um, I, I don't want to say the Jaguars can't, beat this team because they are pr playing pretty bad if you will I mean you look at the statistics 31st against the rush so James Robinson could eat then again we were expecting James Robinson to eat against them last time because their run defense was very poor and they actually shut him down 
Uh, but look, this time around, it's a little different for the simple fact that James Robinson is coming off his career best game and he's coming off a week of rest. And uh, to me, that could be a dangerous combination if you're a Houston Texans team, especially if they're dealing with a lot of injuries. We'll see their injury report on uh, Wednesday and see what what they're looking like in terms of the roster health. Um, and then you look at overall 30th in terms of overall defense, allowing 417.6 yards a game. Uh, that, that's pretty bad, you know. And But again, they are going to be facing a rookie quarterback here. Uh, but nonetheless, what I'm saying is, you know, it wouldn't be surprising that maybe the Jaguars could uh, try and win this one through James Robinson. I think actually that should be a strategy. I put this in USA Today's paper. The strategy, the strategy for both teams should be to win this game through the run because that way you can control the clock and keep your defenses off the field because both of these teams have terrible defenses. Both of these teams are poor against the run, by the way, which is why I say you utilize your running backs. And when you look back at, um, I think it's uh, David Johnson, that's their running back right now. Uh, David Johnson had a great deal of success against us week five. I think he had like 17 carries for 97 yards. Had they utilized him more, they could have controlled the clock because he was running the ball well. I think they need to veer towards that if they want to win this time around is get him towards that 20 uh, catch or that, excuse me, that 20 carry rate that we've been talking about with James Robinson and the Jaguars need to do the same is follow what they did against the Chargers. Get James Robinson 20 carries or more because the team that controls the clock in this game, in my opinion, uh, could end up winning it. And I think, you know, time of possession might be important if uh, the offensive coordinators look at that and try that attempt because we're looking at two very, very terrible defenses here. Yeah, not only that, you know, the Texans are the topic of a lot of trade chatter as well, especially as far as the receivers go, specifically Will Fuller. You know, I, I don't know, Jay, if you have any input on how that might affect a team. Now, of course, the season not going as well as they planned already. You know, they've already fired their head coach. They're arguably they're one of their top two best players, of course, was dealt in the offseason. So, you know, I, I'm wondering how that kind of affects morale. Um, you know, you, you usually find that the Texans and Jaguars can split in terms of the season series. Of course, this one is going to be here at home uh, at, um, at TIAA. I don't, you know, that might play into it. And sometimes when you have a guy, you know, when, when you look at a guy like Jake Luton, where he doesn't really have anything to lose, but everything to gain that can take people by surprise as well. Uh, of course, I think admittedly, we don't want them to win <laughs> because of, you know, because of, of course, looking ahead, to next year but when you look at all those things you know i guess it's not 100 out of the realm of possibility that they win it's just i feel like deshaun watson is just good enough to be able to get them over the hump and and come away with their second win and could you imagine if houston goes two and 14 or something and both their victories are against the jaguars <laughs> yeah i think that's you know now that you say it that way you put it that way that's the most jaguars thing ever to give the a team the, their only two wins of the game so yeah the texas will probably end up winning it and as you said yeah uh deshaun watson is the x factor here i mean deshaun watson you don't you don't want to say he was having a bad season coming into the jaguars game but i mean he it felt like he came to life even though he did have two picks in that game it felt like you know he came to life at some point in that game and you know had success uh, or had the success that we've seen him have against the Jaguars in the past. And when you, even when you look back at the past right field, even when we had that 2017 defense, albeit Deshaun Watson only faced us for half that game, 
you know, he was carving up that defense with Calais Campbell, who was playing a monstrous game. Remember, Calais Campbell had four sacks in that game. Uh, you know, they had Tashawn Gibson, Jalen Ramsey, um, you know, A.J. Boye. And when Deshaun Watson came into that game and was inserted into that game in, in the place of uh, it might have been T.J. Yates or Savage or one of those guys, I forget. You know, like it made you wonder if Deshaun Watson played a whole half in 2017, a whole game in 2017, maybe he could have beat that, you know, 2017 defense. But I said all of that to say this is Deshaun Watson has had success against us ever since he's gotten into the league pretty much every time he steps on the field. And we shouldn't expect that to change, albeit, you know, we got some guys like Devon Hamilton playing well. Uh, we also got, uh, you know, we might have Miles Jack back, uh, but still, even with those guys, you got to probably tip your hat in favor of the Texans here. Yeah, and of course, as the week goes on, make sure to keep uh, keep up with the Jaguars wire because we will give you guys up to date news in terms of the injury report. Uh, you know, so right now we're not going to give you guys a full on prediction since we are recording this on a Monday night. Uh, so if you are looking for our predictions for the game, make sure you follow the Jaguars wire as we put out the staff picks Sunday morning before the game. Um, but, you know, who knows uh, how things are going to play out as the week goes on. But, you know, there's not, not really too much else we want to cover in terms of the preview here. Jay, I did want to knock out a couple of just really quick news stories over the last week and a half that we haven't been able to talk about. Uh, since we uh, we took a little bit of a break, of course, Aaron Lynch has been activated, uh, coming out of retirement. Yeah, you, you got to wonder what went through his head. You know, of course, the season not going very well for the team, but I think this really kind of shows that you know a guy just guys just love playing football, and maybe they miss it. And you know, with everything going on, uh, no, and nothing being guaranteed, you know, maybe he just wanted to come out and and play some football and be back in the locker room. Um, so I'm interested to see what you have to say about him being activated and if you think he'll any uh, uh, what kind of impact he'll have on the defense. Yeah, Lynch probably got tired of sitting on the couch at home, not saying that's what he was doing. He was probably also exercising a boatload too. But look, you can only hit the home gym so many times before you get that itch. It's like, okay, you know, maybe I should be playing football in addition to all of this time I'm putting in at the gym. So uh, welcome back, Aaron Lynch, because they surely do need you in terms of everything we lost in, um, you know, the summer. I mean, Aaron Lynch was a part of those losses. Remember, it was, you know, a whole slew of moves in terms of that shape, that defensive line. But, you know, glad to have him back. Um, he's a guy that, uh, you know, Trent Balky guy, that Trent Balky, for those of you all who don't know, he's in the Jacks front office. He's the lead, like, personnel guy or something, player pro of pro personnel guy. Um, so he drafted Aaron Lynch in uh, San Francisco 2014, and uh, he'll actually get to play or see Aaron Lynch play for him again here with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, hopefully he can help us out, especially against a run uh, because he is a little bit of a bigger guy. So maybe he can offer us some help there where we've struggled. And again, that probably could be a key part of this game, as me and Phil alluded to with the Jaguars um, struggling against David Johnson, as we saw week five. Yeah, so excited to see Aaron Lynch back on the field, and hopefully he's able to provide uh, some additional, uh, you know, quarterback pressure because for a team that really, really needs it. Of course, I'm going to move on to this next quick story here, Jay, that we didn't get to cover uh, in terms of Raquel Armstead, and you know, it's just been really sad. He's most likely going to miss the rest of the season because of symptoms due to COVID-19. Uh, he has been hospitalized twice. 
which was revealed by Adam Schefter earlier last week. Um, you know, time spent at the hospital stemmed from complications, which included significant respiratory issues. Schefter did note that he is expected to make a full recovery, which is great, and that he is going to return next season. Now, Jay, I mean, we saw Raquel Armstead flash a little bit last season. I was really excited to see this kind of duo trio actually of running backs, you know, with James Robinson, Raquel Armstead, Divine Zigbo. Really happy or really excited to see that. Um, but then, of course, you know, this is just kind of what we're living in right now, this this reality uh, of COVID-19 and coronavirus. And Raquel Armstead, unfortunately, has found himself, you know, unable to get back on the field. And we we send out our, our best to him, of course. And I, I know this story, you know, guys, is difficult to hear. And it's, it's definitely sad. And I, I know everywhere you look, you know, COVID-19 is being shoved in your face but the reason is because it's still around all right it's still here and of course for Raquel Armstead and his family it's a very real thing and they're he's having very real complications uh, of it you know um just to kind of give you guys a little bit of an idea you know Jay Jay and I and our, our buddy Josh and our friends here you know we love to go out on Halloween and and go to the Jack's Beach bars or go to Riverside or go tailgate for Florida Georgia which would be around this time of year but you know we just can't do that right now so you know for all of you guys that are still taking this seriously we appreciate you continue to wear your masks and just look out for each other, man. I, I know, again, like I said, all this stuff is being shoved in your face. I don't want to talk about it anymore either, but it's still very real. And it's just very important um, that we bring it up uh, because recall Armstead is just an example of someone who's, who's struggling. So Jay, I know you, you probably have something to add on to that. Yeah. It just puts things in perspective, you know, for not just writers, but people that read the stuff and the people outside of, the actual football field and outside of the facility, it puts things in perspective of how real things are, is getting in terms of COVID-19. Here you have a player, young man, by the way, under the age of 25, fully healthy young man um, that, you know, essentially lost his job for the year uh, dealing with the coronavirus and prayers to him and his family, by the way. Um, but as Phil said, he's, he's, you know, dealt with it on a large scale, too. You know, this this is a young man that's under the age of 25 that's had to be hospitalized two times, not just one, but two times. And, uh, you know, that that shows you that regardless of, you know, what is being said out there, that this thing is very real. Um, it's affecting people's lives to a large scale. Um, it can affect young and old lives on the large, large scale. I mean, if you want to put it in a wide perspective. Uh, you know, Raquel Armstead is a young man that probably has a lot of family banking on what he does on the NFL. And, you know, they're riding his shoulders and that's been taken away from him uh, this year. So that be, being said, like Phil said, everybody, please, we encourage you when you go out, wear your mask, socially distance. Um, you know, we know this is a week, a big time week for the nation uh, with the election coming up, when you go to do that process, make sure you socially distance and wear your mask there because you're going to be exposed to a lot of people. So be careful. And as I like to say, be very vigilant in this process, because Raquel Armstead, who we're praying for, is a prime example of what could happen to, you know, any other person in America. And, uh, you know, it can impact your life just like the snap of a finger. And, uh, you know, then you're you're looking back and reflecting on it and wondering what went wrong and so on and so forth. But again, praise to him and uh, we hope he gets well soon. Can't wait to see him on the field next year. 
100%. And then we're going to end on some good news here in just a moment. But the last thing I do want to mention, of course, we're coming off Halloween. If you yourself did, you know, find yourself at a party or out at a bar or whatever, just go get tested. Okay, guys, you know, you exposed yourself to a whole bunch of people. Yes, maybe you specifically are being careful, but you don't know if that other person was. All right, so just go get checked out. We just had over 100,000 cases the other day in this country. They continue to spike. So if you went out and you enjoyed yourself, fine. That's already happened, whatever. But just go get tested. Just go get checked out, you know, for the sake of not only you, but your loved ones and everyone else around. But, you know, we do want to end on some positive news here, Jay. Back on the 15th, DJ Chark revealed that he and his at the time fiance uh, were expecting a baby. So, you know what that means? A baby shark, you guys. It writes itself, literally. I mean, <laughs> it's perfect marketing. And then on the bye week, he and his at the time fiance, now wife, Chantel Baker, tied the knot. So, you know, congratulations to DJ Chark. Of course, we've been talking about. He's clearly been frustrated on the field, which is totally understandable. But, you know, out of off the football field and out of that locker room, uh, you know, we, we love to see our guys going out and, and living their lives and, and you know, coming, uh, bringing life into the world, of course. And, you know, and just what's been a crazy year, ha- being able to have a wedding. You know, a lot of people have had to change up a lot of things that they're doing in terms of that. So, uh, you know, uh, congratulations to DJ Chark and his his new bride. It was really great to see. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to DJ and Chantel. And, uh, you know, hopefully the Chark family is here for, you know, they have plans to remain in Jacksonville for years and years to come. Um, You know, hopefully little baby Chark ends up being a second generation Jaguar. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Um, I think they're expecting a boy. I don't know. I can't remember. Um, I wrote that story a while ago. Uh, But um, if it is a young man, hopefully he'll be in the NFL. I mean, hey, look. We're all about equal rights here, too. So, you know, it'll maybe be a women's league that's big and blown up by the time we're old as well. So maybe a female baby chart can do the same as well. But uh, congratulations to them. And, uh, yeah, definitely good to see. Like Phil said, I mean, we, we, we we're coming off of this bad news with. Well, I want to say bad news because Raquel is expected to make a big recovery. But um, we're coming off of this news that puts things in perspective in terms of the coronavirus. It's always good to see that people uh, still can indeed live life um, as they usually would. You know, granted, they had to have a socially distanced wedding. I saw the pictures. It was it was literally those two and a priest. Uh, but still good nonetheless to see Chark enjoying his life and uh, make a good use of the bye week, by the way. That's not something you typically hear about is, you know, somebody getting married on the bye week. But congratulations to him indeed. 100%. And yeah, like you said, Jay, hopefully they are part of this community and this Jaguar family for a very, very long time. But that's pretty much it, guys, in terms of, you know, Jaguar related topics. We're looking forward to the game and getting back to football. We hope that you enjoyed your week uh, away from the Jaguars, a little less stressful. Although, as we mentioned, you know, it's been fun to watch the young guys go out there and perform each and every single week. And hopefully we get more of that. Uh, coming up against the Houston Texans. Uh, Jay, I'm going to let you talk about what they have to look forward to here in just a moment, uh, but you kind of alluded to it just uh, just a second ago. Uh, this week is, of course, a very, very big week for this entire country. Um, you know, by the time this episode comes out, uh, the opportunity to vote will have come and gone already. Uh, hopefully you won out and made your, uh, you know, made your voice heard. Um, and, you know, if you are uh, like us, like Jay and I, you know, hoping that the uh, election does swing one way, but you're a little stressed, you're a little worried about it. Make sure you take this week to take care of yourself, take care, to put it in the words of Marshawn Lynch, take care of your mentals, 
you know, take care of your brain, take care of your mental health. It's very important in a stressful time like this. Uh, be vigilant, be very, very careful and uh, just look out for one another. You know, uh, it's uh, again, just a stressful time for a whole lot of reasons. Uh, not only did the pandemic, you know, make things worse, but of course we had an, an election on top of that. So whatever this week brings, um, we hope that, of course, that, it, uh, you know, on our end, we hope that it brings change and, and change for the good for everybody. But uh, but that doesn't mean you need you don't need to go out there and and be careful. So, Jay, I, I'll give you the floor if there's anything you want to add on that. But also, of course, let everybody know what they have to look forward to, not only here in the podcast, but also over at the Jaguars Wire. Yeah, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly with, with what you said, you know, and uh, especially, uh, you know, we talk about race a great deal on this podcast and, um, you know, all our ancestors went through to, uh, I guess you could say, to give us the right to vote or, you know, for future generations. Uh, we definitely should utilize that opportunity, especially as African-Americans and minorities, to go out there and uh, let your voice be heard. Regardless of what way it goes, you should always, for that reason, what our ancestors went through, uh, go out there and exercise your right to vote and let your voice be heard. Uh, because, you know, it wasn't always easy to be able to have this opportunity that we do have to uh, cast a vote and, um, you know, shape ballots and, and whatnot. So uh, in terms of football, uh, and I guess we'll be doing the same stuff we usually do, you know, is previewing the Texans, albeit, you know, me and Phil would kind of have previewed the Texans uh, to a T in the past in terms of Jaguars wiring our last podcast with uh, James um, uh, from Texas Unfiltered. Shout outs to him, by the way. Uh, but still, uh, nonetheless, we'll look at what state the Colts or excuse me, the Texans are in right now. Again, like I said, injury reports coming up. Um, we got the loot and stuff we got to follow because it's I mean, I guess you could technically say it's not like a, a full blown conclusion that he'll start. But I mean, if he's getting all the reps, he should start. So we'll monitor him throughout practice is what I'll say. I'll put it that way. Um, and as well as we'll have some, um, you know, kind of articles that we typically put up to basically give you a scouting report on the Texans as we prepare for them. And we have our first home game in what was it like two, three weeks or something like that, Phil. So that being said, that's what you should expect on the Jaguars wire. And of course, we'll have uh, another podcast, as Phil said, uh, to update you all with the preview in terms of our score predictions for the team as well, unless you get the USA Today paper and just read one of my predictions <laughs> on Wednesday. Uh, but still, we'll still get that out there on, in the form of a podcast, in the form of audio as well. Absolutely, folks. Again, just as a reminder, if you were enjoying the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review along with subscribing. Along with Apple Podcasts, we're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, luminary and tune in you can find us at believe.com and at believe podcast send any jaguar related questions you have to believe in jags pod on twitter or myself phil the filipino f-i-l-i-p-i-n-o or jay over at sports grind underscore dawn and as always make sure you're keeping up with the jaguars wire for all of your up-to-date jacksonville jaguar news guys thank you so much for listening we were happy to be back and we're happy to uh, we're excited to finish the season strong as well as uh, as far as the podcast goes so thanks for listening to believe in the jaguars right here on the believe podcast network we believe do you we'll see you next time guys
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.